Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. Boys and girls, we are back after been off what last two weeks. Do a little recovery time, uh, get a little relaxation. Um, I know I definitely needed it. Enjoy the holidays and got to go. And we went to the bowl game last week and did some other stuff and watched some other bowl games and got to spend time with some family. And uh, it's good to be back though. Yeah, always good to be back on the pod with the boys. Uh, my Christmas pretty much sucked, but got to watch a lot of bowl games uh while just sitting on my butt in the hospital um yeah not not a great not a great break for for your boy but i got plenty of rest got to watch the hawaii bowl uh in the hospital which you know can't miss that uh i got to watch a lot of a lot of bowl games a lot of football watch georgia southern lose which was depressing and then Got out just in time to watch Ole Miss lose in Texas, so that was also not good. But then uh, salvaged it with uh, a, a pretty good uh, New Year's Eve with, with Bama taking care of business in the Sugar Bowl and got to spend some time with my family at that point. I'd gotten out and good to be home and good to watch some, some uh, bowl postseason football. Yeah, always good to go through another, another Christmas season. Obviously, I think Christmas is probably – I don't know what your guys' favorite holiday is, but I know it's up there for me. I'm not going to call it my favorite, but it is one of my favorite times of the year. Um, you know, bowl season officially ended yesterday, though, boys. We've only got two college football games left uh, between now and next Monday over the next six days. And it's kind of kind of a depressing time of the year because football, like we go from having football every single day, and now after yesterday, after the Rose Bowl ended, it just gets ripped away from you. So kind of sucks especially with the way that that uh bowl season was going i mean i can think of a couple bowl games off the top of my head i mean the cotton bowl yesterday uh north carolina oregon the holiday bowl was great um south carolina notre dame was awesome uh you know just i don't anyone ever tell me that that bowl games don't matter i mean don't ever say that to me kansas arkansas Chalk that up there with another game that was just absolutely ridiculous. Like, these kids are played hard, man. People playing hard and, you know, apparently bowl season doesn't matter. These games aren't important because, the you know, if you're not in the playoff, who cares? But, nah, man, absolute, absolutely fantastic bowl season. Got to chalk it up to be one of the best I've seen in a while. I mean, playoff games included. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, honestly, I think every single year, Bowl games are fun. Uh, I'm a big bowl game fan, uh, especially ever since I got into sports gambling because it gives me a reason to cheer for every single team. Um, so you, even watching the Ohio's and Wyoming 
Bats of the world and the and the Barstool Arizona Bowl uh, is still enjoyable because I got a dog in the fight. But I feel like this year, more than any, even if you didn't have a dog in the fight, even if you were just sitting around watching football, it was still enjoyable. It was like every single game came down on the wire. It came down to last-second drive or a winning field goal or it, just some crazy stuff happening. And um, I do feel like bowl games are always lots of fun every single year. But this year, I feel like it was on another level. It was it was incredible. And uh, to cap it off, we had the two playoff games, the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. And for the first time ever, both playoff games were actually really solid. Um, obviously, I think TCU and Ohio State both had a little bit of a lead and uh, looked like maybe they'd pull away TCU probably more than Ohio State. But uh, Michigan, of course, had to come back at the end. Georgia had to come back at the end. And we saw what happened with both of them. And it was it was phenomenal. So we're. We kept rolling along, and uh, same thing yesterday. I think the Rose Bowl was the only game that wasn't good, and typically I'd say the Rose Bowl's the best game of the year. So um, it's it's been incredible. Bowl season's been awesome, and I'm with Chad. My tears will be flowing uh, after Monday night, whether Georgia wins or not. So, so I feel like this playoff semifinal has given more people that were like expansion playoff expansion. Uh, the see, I told you guys more playoff games would be awesome. And this bowl season as a whole, when you look at the Cotton Bowl and you say Tulane USC, that could have been a potential playoff matchup. Uh, how fun would it have been to see Tulane beat USC in the Cotton Bowl with a with a playoff spot on the line, uh, or a, a chance to advance? And you know, my argument to that is, yeah, I mean, that's going to be cool and all, but there's also the Alabama-Kansas State games of the world where there's there's your blowouts. Um, the, the blowouts are still going to exist. This has been by far the most fun and the closest bowl season that I've seen, especially in the playoff era. Uh, I mean, TCU we'll – get to, we'll get to the, the games themselves in a minute, but TCU – is by far and away in the college football playoff era the coolest story that has happened. A team that was not very good last year, they get a first-year head coach, they lose arguably their two best players of the transfer portal and Zach Evans and Kari Coleman, who both go to Ole Miss. And then they turn around, they re-up, and then Max Duggan, who comes out of nowhere, isn't even the starter at the beginning of the year, winds up being a Heisman candidate, and taking them to the national championship where they're going to get obliterated by Georgia. But it's a really cool story, the fact that they even got there. And I think that this TCU is is the example and the program that teams are going to start pointing to, like Ole Miss, like uh, other mid-level teams in major conferences, your UCLA's, your Washington's, uh, that right now are not very good, or they're on the rise. They, they could say, look, TCU, look what they did in one year. You win your games, you go on. Uh, it, it gives teams like Kansas State hope for the future. It gives teams like Arkansas hope. It gives uh, schools like Mississippi State hope. So uh, I think that this playoff has been the best thing to rejuvenate traditional college football as a whole yeah i'll I'll have to i'll almost have to take the stance of i think the way that this bowl season played out and the fact that tcu did what they did is another argument to keep the 14 playoff in place um listen 
there if USC Tulane, if it's a playoff game, I don't know if it goes the same way that it went yesterday. And I know that there's an old tired argument of oh these big teams don't want to be there and this and that and the other. And, you know, it means more to Tulane to be there than it does to USC and da-da-da-da-da. Look, yeah, Caleb Williams still played. But, you know, Caleb Williams, they even said before the game, they said he was 90%. But, I mean, he's still not 100%. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who's really just playing to finish out the year. And in reality, USC, for them, there's not a ton of motivation to play Tulane just to cap off the season after the way they lost to Utah to finish out the year. So <clears throat> there's no telling that that game would have gone the same. Um, I think if you look at games like Purdue and LSU, the game of two of the conference championship runner-ups, that could have potentially been a lower-seeded uh, game in a, in a playoff format in the future. I don't think that needs to be – that needs to be something that we see again going forward because that was just a terrible matchup overall. But, you know, again, I, I think TCU I think TCU doing what they've done just confirms that four teams is perfect because the reality is, and no matter how you want to slice it, every single Power 5 team in the country has a chance to make the playoff when, when the season starts. All the way from Alabama to Vanderbilt, to USC, to Colorado, to Texas, to TCU, it doesn't matter what Power 5 conference you're in, you have a chance, theoretically, to make the college football playoff. All you have to do is win. Win all your games, win your conference, do your job and get in. Now, there's a realistic side of things that tells me that Vanderbilt, Kansas, and Minnesota are not going to make the college football playoff. I know that, but... Every now and again, we may have this TCU scenario because I don't think we've ever seen a Cinderella like this happen in college football. We've seen it in college basketball, but never before have we seen it in college football. And, you know, TCU did their job. They beat Texas. They beat Oklahoma. Now, granted, those two had so-so years, but they beat the teams that you thought were going to be atop the uh, Big 12 to start the season. So I, I think it further validates the fact that the system is right. And I, I really, from a personal standpoint, I would love to see TCU cap off the coolest story that I think I've ever seen in my college football lifetime. Not even just the playoff era, but in my life. Well, as a biased Georgia fan, obviously I would not. But um, if as a non-biased college football fan... One thing I've really loved about TCU is the fact that they had this huge turnaround. First-year head coach, not a lot of transfer portal guys. It's a lot of guys that were on the roster last year. Um, they didn't have a ton of guys leave besides the two that went to Ole Miss. Um, they might have had a couple other guys here and there, but um, it's mostly the same roster. I mean, Max Duggan was a quarterback last year. Pretty much their best player is, uh, besides Max Duggan, is that number one wide receiver. That dude's awesome. Uh, both those guys were there last year. They were the building blocks for this team um and it's not like i mean sonny dyson coming in and recruit a top 10 class i mean he just came in saw what they already had um that gary patterson had recruited and said we can do a lot better than we did last year and completely changed the culture and um you got to give sonny dykes a lot of credit for doing that he won coach of the year absolutely deserved it 
Um, I'm very curious to see what he does going forward, whether they win this game or not on Monday, um, because I think regardless, he's going to be able to recruit better than TCU's ever been able to recruit before because no coach has shown that TCU can actually make a national championship except for Sonny Dykes. Gary Patterson had him close. They had some really good years. That 2014 year, they were a one-loss team. They were the number three team in the country until Ohio State blew the doors off Wisconsin and the Big Ten Championship and then jumped up to number four, knocking TCU back to six somehow, um, which ended up being correct because Ohio State went on to win the national championship that year. But either way, you knew TCU wasn't competing that year regardless. They had good players. They had a good team, but they probably wouldn't have beaten Alabama. They probably wouldn't have beaten uh, Oregon or Florida State if they ended up playing one of those two. So Sonny Dykes is the first to actually prove, hey, you, we can take this team. We don't, need to, we don't need to be Oklahoma. We don't need to be Texas. We can take this team and do what we need to do uh, with the guys that we normally get. So um, it'll be cool to see what he does with better players going forward. So, or at least more talented players on paper. Because Max Duggan and that, uh, I think his name is Quentin Johnson or something, Johnson, number one. On the flip side, you have Michigan, who comes into that game, heavy favorite. Uh, a lot of the money was getting thrown Michigan's way. I think they were nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, I thought that line was a bit large. I, I you know... I didn't think TCU would necessarily win, but I thought that TCU had the heart to keep it close. And Michigan did what Michigan did last year against Georgia, and it was mistake after mistake after mistake. And now, yeah, there was the the questionable targeting call at the end, but you can't put your eggs all into that basket either that even if they call that, that Michigan's going to then turn around and go down the field and score a touchdown. Uh Jim Harbaugh, is, it was alleged today, it was reported that if an NFL job were to come open and he's offered it, uh, that he would take it. So Michigan, who is back-to-back playoff, uh, has back-to-back playoff appearances, back-to-back wins against their biggest rival in Ohio State, they seem to be going in the opposite direction and trending backwards in ways that Michigan fans hope that they could get past. Uh, what do you guys think about what's going on there in, in, uh, in Ann Arbor? Well, I, I think for starters, you know, to kind of go with what you were talking about in the semifinal on Saturday, I think more than just a few mistakes kind of hindered Michigan, and we can talk about it later, but uh, that young man fell on his buttocks into the end zone, and they didn't give it to him, even after the review. That's just my personal opinion that they got that touchdown taken off the board, but all the credit TCU, the game went the way it went, but <clears throat> you know, I, I think, I think this is no surprise. It's long been kind of considered a known, a known fact that Jim Harbaugh wanted to get back to the NFL. Um, you know, it was rumored last year that Jim Harbaugh was going to go to the NFL. It's my understanding that, he was interviewing with the Vikings on National Signing Day last year. And on National Signing Day last year, Michigan still had a playoff game to play. So, you know, it's no surprise. It's no surprise at all that Jim Harbaugh wants to get back to the NFL. And frankly, I think I can understand the NFL is a little bit of an easier grind. You know, college football is 24-7 
365 recruiting spring summer it's just college football is insane and it's not even just the season itself um the nfl is a little bit easier on him and him and his family and i can understand why he would want to do that um i think for michigan i think michigan's set up to be in a really good position because even while jim harbaugh was interviewing for the minnesota job last year Michigan came back this year, completely checked in, and went 13-0, and won the Big Ten, beat Ohio State again, made the playoff. Now, it's the second year in a row they've no-showed the playoff. But, you know, how much credit can we give to TCU this year and Georgia last year for doing their jobs and taking care of business? Um, you know, that's another conversation, but, you know, I don't think that that Jim Harbaugh is checked out by any means necessary. I think if Jim Harbaugh was checked out, then you wouldn't have seen what you saw this year. And I think for Michigan, they'd probably make an internal hire. And it'd be very much like an Urban Meyer situation uh, when Ryan Day took over in 2017, I believe that was, after the Rose Bowl. So I don't think it would hurt Michigan too much if Harbaugh left. I can very much see it, like I said, being an OSU situation where they just keep on rolling. But like I said, no surprise. It's no secret that Jim Harbaugh wants to be in the National Football League. And frankly, with the grind of a college schedule, I don't blame him. Well, another thing for Jim Harbaugh, too, is every single year Michigan fans want him fired. They want him fired this year. I saw on Twitter, Michigan fans are coming out going, fire Jim Harbaugh, fire Jim Harbaugh. He'll never get it done. He's not good at the big game. He can't win the big game. He can only beat Ohio State now. It's like, dude, this like, what, is, what do you want this guy to do? I mean, he came in, took over a terrible program. They were in a really, really, really bad place, and immediately turned him around. I mean, I think he won 10 games his first year. He had nine or 10 games. Uh, his second year, he was competing with Ohio State for going to the playoff. Uh, I mean, he he did really well. So I I don't really know what to tell these guys. I have a lot of Michigan fan friends um, who have talked to me a little bit about it. I'm like, yeah, Michigan looks pretty good, though. I mean, you know, they were the number two team. They were 13-0. and They were like, yeah, but, you know, Jim Harbaugh can't get it done. Lost another playoff game. Couldn't get to the national championship. I'm like, I mean, to be honest, I don't see Michigan doing better um, than what they're doing right now. I think if Jim Harbaugh leaves, they take a big step back. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think he'd be a great hire for Denver too. He's been successful at every single place he's gone to. Um, I know he got fired in San Francisco, but it sounded like there were some other issues with the front office and they didn't get along as well. And, you know, he had a couple bad seasons towards the end, but dude was still, I mean, he did a great job, got him to a Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think no matter where he goes, he'll do well. Michigan, on the other hand, I don't see, I don't see, another coach stepping in and doing as well especially without the recruiting prowess and the players in there uh, like they typically have uh, or like how Ohio State had when Urban Meyer left and Ryan Day took over they were still recruiting at a top five level Michigan's really not doing that they're about top 10 maybe top 12 uh, but it's still not that elite level so I don't know I I, I can't see it happening um if I was a Michigan fan, I'd be praying for Jim Harbaugh to stay, um, especially with, with the fact of being 2-0 and against Ohio State in the last two years and uh, back-to-back big, big Ten championships after not winning one for quite a while. So I don't, I don't really understand their 
their thought process there, but um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if it happened. That's the Big Ten for you as a whole. I mean, and and really any major college football program. I mean, you had Alabama fans who uh, I say I say fans lightly. We'll put air quotes around fans that were like, Saban's lost it. I think it's time we move on and go to the next guy. Uh, I remember after we lost the Sugar Bowl in 2014 to Ohio State, people were like, ah, I think it's time. To, it's a fair question to ask if Saban's lost his touch. Um, but, you know, fans are, fans are idiotic and reactionary. Speaking of idiotic and reactionary fans, wit, I got to know, reaction, it's Saturday night. Georgia's law been losing 99% of the game. They finally get a lead in late in the fourth quarter, and they they leave 54 seconds left for C.J. Stroud, who has carved up Georgia's defense for most of the night. He gets the ball. He's moving down the field, and then for what godforsaken reason, Ryan Day decides, like, hey, we're on the 31. We've got a 50-something yarder here. Let's get conservative. Walk me through the mind of Whit Barfield as Noah Ruggles comes out eventually what we learn is shank a 52 yarder but walk me through what we've got going on in the mind of one whip barfield this was a very interesting watch for me um because at the beginning of the game you know i was at a party i was watching with some friends um and you know me i don't normally drink a lot it doesn't happen much so for for this game i was thinking hey i'll Maybe I'll have a couple beers, see what happens. If it starts getting bad, I'll, I'll start pouring it on and drink a couple more beers. So, When Ohio State had the lead, um, actually, it was after the first drive, um, I believe, when I decided I was going to start drinking some IPAs. And uh, I started pouring some Creature Comfort Tropicalias. No free shout-outs, but free shout-out for this one time. And uh, it was on draft at the house. They had their own keg, uh, one of those nicer houses. They have more money than I do. And... Uh, even though Georgia was in it, I always felt like Georgia was going to stay in it. I didn't think they would blow us out, but I honestly thought um, with the way they were moving on offense, I didn't really see us winning that game. Um, and I was kind of preparing in my head. I was like, all right, I, I can get through it. It's fine. Uh, you know, we won one last year. I can, it won't, I won't let it ruin my night. It's New Year's Eve, having a good time with a lot of friends. And uh, and then towards the end of the game, I started getting that feeling like, okay, we might still be in it. Setson Bennett's starting to move the ball a little bit better and uh even though we still can't get a stop you know we, we're at least in it so let's just see what happens and ended up working out uh one thing i will say that's gonna really uh piss you two off is at the party i was at right around i think it was 11 50 they brought everybody upstairs they had the game on downstairs on big tv and then and then the upstairs like main kitchen room area they had it on on that tv as well but up in that kitchen area, they prepared this big, like, uh, New Year's cheers thing going on, like, with champagne and all this stuff. So, they're like, y'all just come watch the game up here, and we'll we'll uh, we'll put on the ball drop and stuff, too. And uh, once the game's over, so we're, it's like, it'll be almost, like, simultaneous. I was like, all right, whatever, so we'll, we'll go up there. So, we're passing around the champagne and all this stuff, and we get to the field goal uh, when they showed it was a 50-yard field goal. And right at 11.59, like probably, you know, it was probably 11.59 with 20 seconds left before New Year's Eve. They changed the channel to the ball drop. So we could watch the ball drop 
And it was right during the kick. And they were like, well, no, we won't miss the kick. The kick will be on right after the ball drop. We'll just watch it drop and do the cheers and go back. And I was like, we are going to miss it. I was like, it's literally going to happen at the exact same time as the ball drop. The ball will drop in Atlanta, Georgia, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium at the same time as it does in New, in, uh, New York City. And it did. It's exactly what happened. So I pulled it up on my phone, and I watched it. When I pulled it up on my phone, I saw the ball sailing into the stands. And I turned around to everybody, and I said, He missed the kick! He missed the kick! He missed the kick! And everybody was like, Oh, man, dude, no, what the heck, man? We, we were going to be surprised by it. I was like, screw that. I, I, I wanted to see the game. Like We do the ball drop every year. This is the... This is the best playoff game we've had so far. So, the uh, so it, it was pretty exciting. We we went crazy afterwards, and uh, I I got surprised with a victory cigar uh, from my good buddy Alex Brim, a local Bama fan. So we we did a little cigar smoking afterwards and had a good time. It, it, it felt pretty good. I was I was pretty happy, and I didn't have to kick my roommate out of our apartment. So that was that was uh, very good. Ended up being very good. So I had fun. See, Shout out, Alex. See, this this right here, like an example that you just gave like that is exactly why I hate Super Bowl parties and why I choose to watch the game alone. Like, I do not want to be in a situation where someone's wife or girlfriend or multiple wives or girlfriends want to dictate the fact that Oh, let's watch the ball drop. Oh, let's get together and watch the Super Bowl, and we'll just we'll watch all the commercials. No, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. And I'm not saying that directed at any one certain gender. I mean, the men too. The men who don't get together and want to watch the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl, and and don't want to watch the game because oh, we're gonna watch the ball drop. Ooh, see that just pisses me off. Like. If you're going to get together to watch football, damn it, get together and watch football. It's about football. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting on more on the rant uh, to continue on that one. No, I'm too stuffy for all that. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you guys can hear the phlegm in my throat. I hear it a little bit. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I you know... I, I like watching it in big parties, but they need to be with people that I know like to watch football. And the people I was with, all of like the people my age and pretty much all their parents like to watch football. But and I know the I know the person's they're the family whose house I was at. I've known them for a long time. I knew them in high school as well. Um, they're huge football fans. They're big. They both one went to Oklahoma, one went to Florida State, but they're big Oklahoma fans and they've started cheering for Georgia because their daughter went to Georgia. Um, and since Georgia's good, why not, right? But they, um, they're they they're big New Year's people. They have a big New Year's party every year. They have the same people over every year. And they do the same little, uh, the um, the cheers, celebration, all that kind of stuff with the champagne. So I, I understood it, but it was also like, it's the freaking Peach Bowl. Come on, we got to watch the Peach Bowl. And it's, it's not the Peach Bowl in a non-playoff year. It's a playoff Peach Bowl. It's every yeah. Peach Bowl. I mean, it's it's the Peach Bowl is the biggest game ever. Screw, screw the Rose Bowl. It's the Peach Bowl. Um, but this year, more than any, and honestly, kind of lame. You know, we can talk about this too. Kind of lame that college football has the playoff the night of New Year's Eve. That part I enjoy, but also that they had the game so late that it coincides with 
falling into New Year's. Even though, yeah, I say it's lame, but it actually was really cool seeing the simultaneous little casting. I don't know if you guys saw that on social media with the yeah. miss kick and the ball drop happening at the exact same time. Uh, also with Pat McAfee running circles around the Georgia bench after it happened. Also very funny. But, um, but yeah, so that did happen. But Georgia won. Georgia's going to national championship, and I, I don't think I could be happier. Yeah, and I don't think you have much to worry about. I I, I foresee Georgia having a uh, very good time. And Wit, you will be joining me in the I saw two in a row in in and I saw two in a row club. I saw two. I saw two in a three year span. Can I join your club? No, no, that's not two in a row. Two in a row yeah. club. And Matt's really don't count either. They're both Mickey Mouse championships because they were BCS. And in the BCS era, you didn't have to get through the semifinal. So technically, if it happens for Georgia, Georgia is immediately thrown into number one program of all time. So we'll just. Uh, we'll just can, I, can I just say one thing? I cannot wait for you and the rest of your coalition of people who think it's normal to make dog noises at other that human football guys, human beings to fall. You talking about football, your, football from guys, super from your super, super high horse that you just think you're so much better than everyone. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for your fall from grace. I'll, I'll say this. I went into the game and like, generally speaking, I do not like Georgia. But I really also do not like Ohio State. I like Jalen Carter. I think he's a really cool. He's a he's got a cool story. I think Keely Ringo Keely Ringo's story with his mom and and all that she's been through and everything. Awesome story. There is not a more unlikable human being on this freaking planet than Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, yeah. You talk about stories. Like, yeah. You start ragging on Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's got the best college football story of all time. But oh, he shut shut up. You thought it, move mouth. over Rudy. Rudy Rudy had the worst college football story of all time. Screw Rudy. Shut up. You shut up and let Matt speak. <laughs> the thing is, is like that everyone everyone pushes the Stetson Bennett story. Like it makes him more of a likable human being, but he's not. Like he's just not a he is such an unlikable guy. His mannerisms make me want to claw a chalkboard. And like I, I just like I, I just I everything about Stetson Bennett. Like he played like absolute dog it's, shit. Uh, Heisman, three and a half quarters. Heisman finalist. Heisman finalist. Shut that's up, Bennett, if you Wit. Shut up and let Matt speak so I can go next. <laughs> he just played like dog shit for three and a half quarters. And the a peach cornerback, ball? cornerback falls down. Uh, no, he did not. <laughs> oh my. He had one. He had a bad interception. He played phenomenal. <laughs> Someone turn off his microphone. Okay. <laughs> For three and a half, for three and a half quarters, wee, he did wee, not play wee. well. He had the bad pick, and I mean, like they were moving the ball, but it was more of, I would say, uh, your, your running back, uh, Kenny McIntosh, who was game. carrying the load there, not Stetson Bennett on those touchdown drives that, that where the ball was being moved. It was not Stetson Bennett that was doing it. Stetson Bennett then has the bad interception. He did not play well for three and a half quarters. Then a cornerback falls down. He throws a wide open touchdown, and then he leads the next drive down the field. And like kudos to him for doing that. But you would think that this man 
just broke records with how he played in that game. And it is just so frustrating. And, and it sucks because he has a cool story. But he sucks as a human. He does. He does. I didn't know. Like, you, I didn't know uh, you knew Stetson Bennett, man. That's very interesting. Um, you know, it's it's story that I've never heard about Stetson Bennett. It's anything that I've ever that I've ever read so about. So we believe him. the media it, now. We think the media is correct. It, it has nothing to do with media. It has to do with, to Georgia, do with that. Georgia beat writers who who are like, yeah, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with you. He sucks. What, what beat writer says he's a dick? <laughs> You're 25 years old. You might as well be 59. He's fixing to start collecting AARP checks. His social security is going to start paying him next year. It is not impressive to do what you're doing when you've been in college the same amount of time that Josh Allen has been in the NFL. Like Better yet, Stetson Bennett, if he went straight to college out of high school, he's been in college for seven years. These are kids that are out of high school last May. It's not even been a full year, and you're dropping the microphone. And literally, if Georgia did not have him, they would be fine. That's why he was not shouldn't even have been in New York as a Heisman finalist anyway. Like I'm not. It's like Matt said. I'm not taking anything away from the player that he is, but he is such a clear and obvious tool. And he thinks that the world revolves around him. You can see it. And he tried to act all humble, like, oh, man, I'm just so happy the good Lord brought us here. You are 44 years old. Like, you have grandkids on the way, dude. Stop acting cool. You shouldn't be in college. You should be getting your fourth doctorate degree. I think I, I will say this. I think it's actually really funny that a lot of people bring up the age thing when it comes to Stetson, but then say like, "Oh, well, Hendon Hooker should have been in the Heisman race." Hendon Hooker was a freshman the same year Stetson Bennett was in college, literally the exact same year. Literally, Tennessee does not have a full roster of what Georgia has. Tennessee's defense cannot prop them up throughout a whole season like Georgia's defense can because Georgia's defense is elite. So Stetson Bennett had better numbers than Hendon Hooker this year because of Georgia's defense? Because, ah, uh, just shut shut up, Wit. That's so shut interesting. Up. I didn't know defenses I'm, could play I'm offense, did so, you? This, this is not at all anything about football. This is personal, and me and Matt, I feel like, would punch him in the face if we ever met him on a personal level. Not a football level. This is personal. Like Stetson Bennett's a king. He's the king of college football. He should have won the Heisman. It's actually unbelievable he didn't win. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, and he's in his second national championship in a row. He's lost one game in the past two years. Got to give the guy some credit. Walk-on player. Um, Who did he lose to? I forgot. Alabama. Oh. Alabama. He did. So, moving on. Played like shit in that game, too. He did play like shit in that game. I actually defended that guy last year. And I regret doing that ever because he is he is your prototypical. I'm from South Georgia and my parents are fifth generation pharmacists. I'm see yeah. I'm see the pharmacy down in Blackshear, Georgia, where home of Stetson Bennett, national champion quarterback, two times yeah. over. Thank you, Jalen Carter, and thank you, A.D. Mitchell, and thank you, Kenny McIntosh, for all of your your contributions. See, Wit Wit joke Wit is joking whenever he says some of his stuff about Stetson, but there are Georgia fans 
that live in this state that actually say and mean and believe the things. We all right, we've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was he, like full go, Matt. <laughs> that was like Mac Jones, Matt. Oh my God! Don't you hate on my humble king? <laughs> I'll take Kyle Van Tree, Silver Stetson Bennett all day. <laughs> you do you. I'll take my uh, my humble two national championship, at least one appearance, King Stetson Bennett, and we'll move on to our pour one out, cut him off segment. Matt, who you pour one out for? I'm pouring one out for former Georgia Southern head football coach, current Tulane head football coach, Willie Fritz, for the Tulane Green Wave winning in the Cotton Bowl a season after going 2-12, and 2-10. and 10. I mean, they, they've been pretty abysmal uh, recently. I think they were 2-10 and 10 last year. They turn it around, and then this year they go 12-2. and two. They win the Cotton Bowl. They beat USC perennial powerhouse blue blood in the sport and quite frankly i couldn't be happier for willie um he is a guy that brought georgia southern as the head football coach uh to the fbs level he never should have left the only reason he left is because georgia southern's dumbass ad at the time tom kleinline thought it would be a good idea that that willie said hey i want a, a five-year extension I don't want a whole lot more money. I just want the guaranteed years. And Kleinline said, you know what? I think we'll let you go, and we'll go hire Tyson freaking Summers. Congratulations, Willie Fritz, on the massive win. Go continue to do big thing, uh, the big things with Tulane while uh, Georgia Southern uh, continues to fight for uh, Camellia Bowl opportunities be more disappointed in Montgomery than they were this time. Uh, but I digress. Congratulations, Willie Fritz. Well-deserved. Great job of coaching and turning around that program in New Orleans. Uh, so pouring one out for Willie Fritz. And I am cutting off Skip Bayless because what a terrible human being he is. Uh, last night in the Monday Night Football game, DeMar Hamlin uh, safety for the Buffalo Bills had a tragic incident in which he went into cardiac arrest on the field. Obviously, the all the players on both teams were pretty shaken up by it because they didn't know if this man was alive or not. They knew that the uh, paramedics had been doing CPR for nine minutes. They knew that uh, he collapsed and there was no pulse initially whenever they he was checked on. So his teammates and even the players that were competing on the field against him were very concerned and obviously concerned. And this is an unprecedented thing to happen in an in a NFL game. You know, we've seen bad hits like Ryan Chazier where he ended up being uh, partially paralyzed. We've seen the Tua hit earlier this year where he went into full uh, crumbled mode and almost seizing uh, when he had his, his concussion. Uh, but never in the history of the NFL has somebody gone into cardiac arrest and nearly died on the field. And Skip Bayless decided to use this opportunity to say, why the heck are we canceling the game? Why is this even a discussion? This game is way too important, and this game has too much on the line as far as playoffs and playoff seeding goes. It's not fair for the players, on the Bengals and the Bills, that they're going to cancel this game because of uh, this guy that, that – went into a cardiac incident and look skip bayless has long been an internet troll known for terrible takes and just being clickbait 
but this was a, a touch too far. A uh, young man's life was on the line, and you you could only think about the entertainment side of football and not the human element of football. So, Skip Bayless, I'm cutting you off, and I hope that I never have to see or hear your name again. Chad. So, I am going to pour one out this week for Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. And I'm not pouring one out for him because of how he played. And I'm not pouring one out for him because that was his last college game. No, no, no. I'm pouring one out for him because I never have to see him play football ever again. And that is a great thing. Look, by the numbers, Sean Clifford is an all right serviceable quarterback. But I am so sorry. If if Penn State even had a quarterback that was at all a fraction more competent, than Sean Clifford has been for the past four years under James Franklin, Penn State could have had opportunities to play for a national championship because the talent is there. And I'm just, I'm so, like Dan Orlovsky, I was watching the Purdue LSU game yesterday, and Dan Orlovsky says, what a solid career Sean Clifford has had at Penn State. And again, if you look at pure numbers, okay, but I'm sorry, I watched Sean Clifford play football for four years. What about that was solid? Anybody tell me, anybody please tell me that, like, he beat out Will Levis, and Will Levis is supposedly going to be the first quarter, like, one of the first quarterbacks taken in the first round this year. Like, I'm not saying Will Levis is great, but I think Will Levis is better than Sean Clifford. And again, it really makes me wonder what Penn State has been doing for the past four years. So I'm pouring one out for the fact that I never have to watch Sean Clifford play football ever again. And that is a great thing that he's gone from college football. And I'm also going to cut off Georgia Tech. Um, Please explain to me why they thought it was a good idea not to hire Willie Fritz. You You go back a couple weeks to conference championship weekend, you know, two weeks before bowl season even started. So the first weekend in December, um, it's been over a month now. But rumors are swirling that Willie Fritz and Georgia Tech are getting close to finalizing a deal. And all of a sudden, there are people on Twitter and apparently Georgia Tech people that are unhappy with that hire. And I just don't understand. I, I don't understand because I get it. You're looking at a guy who's got a losing record at Tulane in the past, what is it, six seasons he's been at Tulane now? Seven seasons he's been at Tulane? He's got a losing record, but 10 of those losses were last year, and he just had the biggest FBS turnaround in history. 10 games from 2-10 and 10 to 12-2, and two, not to mention the success that he's already had in your state at Georgia Southern University during their transition from FCS to FBS. Look, I get it. He's 62 years old. He'll be 63 before the before spring practice even starts. So I get it. He's no young man, but he's 197 and 114 as a college football coach between all levels of college football, from JUCO to D3 to FCS to FBS. He's had success everywhere he's been and why Georgia Tech thought that giving Brent Key the head coaching job 
was the right move is beyond me. Listen, I'm not taking anything away from Brent Key. They were clearly better under Brent Key immediately. And I think Brent Key at least earned a, a spot in being in the conversation for the head coaching job. So I'm not going to call it a bad hire. But when you could have gotten Willie Fritz and instead you choose to go with Brent Key after what you saw Tulane do yesterday, I, I just don't understand. I do not get it. So, Georgia Tech, I got to cut you off because I think in the end, you're going to regret not hiring Willie Fritz. Whit. Uh, before I jump into mine, chat, I want to jump on something you just said. Willie Fritz, um, I'm with you. I, if Georgia Tech was smart, they would have hired him. I think it's crazy. He really wasn't even in the conversation for Nebraska as much as he should have been. Auburn really didn't look at him very much. Colorado obviously ended up with Dion, but I mean, Willie Fritz might have been a better option than Dion, besides the fact that Dion's more in the media. Willie Fritz has done well at every single place he's gone to. He's been phenomenal. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm with you, dude. I don't I don't understand why he, his name wasn't brought up more. And I think after this one against USC, it probably will be, to be honest. Um, but moving on to mine, I'm pouring one out for Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles. Uh, number one for missing a 50-yard field goal that sent my Georgia Bulldogs to the national championship, uh, but also for uh, the way that he's handled this whole missing the kick situation. A lot of times when stuff like this happens, um, guys, you know, they they have a really hard time. And um, also pouring one out for Ohio State fans, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Uh, which is very rare for me, so be ready for this one. Um, he's handled it very well. Ohio State fans have, um, instead of jumping on him and sending him death threats and like telling him he's a loser and he, he you know, he should just go ahead and quit football and blah 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 blah. Um, his mom came out and tweeted about how uh, so many people have reached out to him and, and been really encouraging and telling him like how great he's been for them for two years and all this stuff and. Um, and apparently he's, you know, he really wants to have a big NFL career. So, um, good on him for handling that well and not letting it get him down and good on Ohio state fans for not threatening a man's life for, for missing a field goal. So, uh, definitely pouring out for that. And also cutting off Lincoln Riley, USC's head coach, um, after losing the cotton ball to Willie Fritz and Tulane, uh, he is now one in three in bowl games as a head coach and zero in three in bowl games with Heisman winning quarterbacks so um lincoln riley has had some really really good teams um as our old pal lando has constantly stated he's a good coach but he's soft um and i would say in every single bowl game they played in lando's been right they're a good football team but the defense is never tough enough to actually help them win games the offense is always really solid but lincoln riley can never get the defense right so at this point right now cutting off lincoln riley you gotta hope if you're a usc fan they either he fires Alex Grinch and they figure something out on defense because they're not competing for a national championship without playing defense, um, or uh, or he just you know or Alex Grinch figures it out and recruits better and or they get something going because um, he has proven you cannot win with offense and quarterback play alone. Um, although many people still think that. Keys, what about you? You pour one out? Nope. Okay. Keys. Forgive, died. forgive, keys, everyone. Keys is sick. Keys is sick this week. Uh, moving on to our pick of the week, we got one. Uh, what do you mean? The, what do you mean we're not we're not picking North Dakota State, South Dakota State? Come on, guys. No. 
<laughs> Moving on to our picks of the week. We got one. Uh, we got the national championship game. The Georgia Bulldogs versus the TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, Georgia is a 13.5-point favorite. Matt, I think we already know who you're picking because I think you've said it like nine times, but go ahead and go ahead and roll with it. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I love Max Duggan. Call him Texas Tebow because he is like a right-handed version of Tim Tebow, and he seems like a good dude. And I like him a lot. I like the way that he plays. Dude's tough as nails. Great, great guy. Great leader on the field. And without him, there's no telling where TCU would be this year. Uh, they certainly wouldn't be this far. With that being said, the only chance that Georgia had to lose happened the other night. And what you saw was a team come out and have Georgia scratching their heads on offense team that scored 41 points and still couldn't get it done because Georgia has been wrongfully put as this team that can only play defense. They actually have a pretty darn good offense, too. They've got a lot of good weapons, Brock Bowers specifically. Whenever Georgia's offense started cooking, it was whenever Brock Bowers started cooking. It was whenever Kenny McIntosh was making plays out of the backfield, both in the running game and the, and the receiving game on screens. A.D. Mitchell coming back was a huge pickup. He had some massive catches in that semifinal game for Georgia. Defensively, Jalen Carter is still Jalen Carter. Now, where TCU could keep this thing close and interesting is if they do what Ohio State did, and that's come out and punch Georgia in the mouth with a couple of quick scores and get that defense gassed. And that's what we saw Alabama do successfully last year. Uh, in the SEC championship game, it was something that Ohio State did successfully the other night where they they kept the defense on their heels. They had them gassed. They had them guessing. But I just don't see it happening, man. I think that TCU relies too much on the run game to open up the passing game, and that is right into Georgia's defensive wheelhouse. Uh, they're not going to let Duggan run all over them. Uh, it's the TCU has been a great story, but I see Georgia winning this one and covering, uh, with at least a 17 point win, Chad. You know, I hate to agree with you, but I feel like I have to, you know, look, TCU frankly took me by surprise on Saturday with the way that they're defense played take away those two pick sixes and Michigan wins that game TCU secondary I feel like is something that was probably overlooked all year and they looked really really impressive on Saturday night now granted I know Michigan still scored a lot of points but Michigan scored a lot of that with their run game which is what Michigan was built on it was what they did all year and TCU couldn't stop that but TCU did really well defending the pass. Like, J.J. McCarthy did not play that great of a game. And they got a lot of pressure up front. They won the line of scrimmage, you know, in terms of pass rush. Now, they didn't do it on run plays, obviously, but their pass rush got there. And I was just really shocked at the way TCU's defense played. So I think, honestly – biggest factor in this game is going to be the two defenses because if TCU can limit Stetson's ability to make plays 
early on in the game and get pressure on him early the way Ohio State did and try to force him to make a mistake, which we've seen him do, he will do it. If they can do that, I think they can stay in this game. However, all around, man, George is just too good. And as much as I don't want to see it, as much as it pains me to have have to watch Georgia go back-to-back, it's more than likely going to happen. And I just feel like, unfortunately, with all all of our feelings that we just said about Stetson Bennett, he's going to get the write-off in the sunset as a two-time national champion, even though he's been propped up by so many people that it's not even funny. But, look, the reality is Georgia is going to win this game. However, I'm not picking them. I'm going to pick TCU because you know why? Why not doubt them one more week and watch them prove us wrong? So I'm not picking this on reality. I'm picking this on hope. I hope TCU wins. Give me the Horn Frogs. Glass slipper fits Cinderella. Wit. Look, I'm going to start off by saying that TCU is, in my opinion, for a team at least, the greatest story um, we've had in college football since the playoff. Um, I know. I think we already said that earlier. It's been really, really incredible. I mean, they've done unbelievably well. Um, I, even myself, I'll say from the beginning of the season. Um, even when they got into, you know, like week six, week seven, they kept winning these games almost every single week. I kept thinking, all right, well, somebody's going to beat them. Texas is going to beat them. Baylor's going to beat them. Uh, Oklahoma state, they're going to beat them. Kansas state had the big lead. They're going to beat them. And every single week TCU came back. Um, every time they were down, they came back and they won every single game this season until the big 12 championship against Kansas state. Um, Max Duggan has been a phenomenal story. Um, I think he's right up there with Stetson and a guy that people just thought he had nothing. He, they didn't know who he was, uh, even though he's been like a three-year starter at TCU. I've seen him play a couple times. I always thought he was pretty decent, but I never thought he would do what he did this year. Um, it's But it's been incredible. I mean, Max Duggan's one of those guys, too. Texas Tebow is a phenomenal nickname, by the way. I didn't even know that people called him that until somebody said that Saturday. Um, great, great nickname. It definitely goes with his uh, play and game and all this stuff. The reason I think Georgia's going to win is not because of talent. Um, it's not because of having a Heisman finalist quarterback. Um, it's because of the fact that TCU is 92nd in the country in passing yards per game in, in, on defense and giving up passing yards per game. Ohio State... After last week's game, after Stetson threw 400 yards against them off the same amount of attempts as C.J. Stroud, who only threw for 350, they're still 25th on giving up. They're giving up less than 200 yards a game passing this season. TCU has one of the worst passing defenses in the country. Georgia is top five in passing offenses this year. And even though people think that TCU lives and dies by the passing game, Against Michigan, the only reason they won that game is because they averaged six and a half yards a carry running the ball. Georgia has a top five run defense. Every single year, Georgia dominates in run defense. So unless TCU can pull a rabbit out of their hat, unless Georgia makes mistakes, which has happened this year multiple times, uh, Georgia was not in the positive in turnover margin um, in terms of Georgia over the other team. So it could happen, but on paper, Georgia should dominate this game, and it should not even be close. 
Um, I think TCU's going to hang around. They're a tough team. Sonny Dykes is a good coach. So I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But the, the, you mean, what's the spread? 13 and a half? I think that's fair. I got Georgia, 38. Um, I think TCU's going to score like 24. What's that, 14? That's about where I think it's going to be. And, and South Dakota State, we're going to all pick them. Shut too. up. <laughs> I can't name a single player on either of those teams. Neither can I. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.